Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. God's got a remedy for you, my friend. I'm not sure where you've been or, or what you've done or how bad your life has been. You may think, oh no, God can't want me because I've done so much. Let me tell you, the Father has a remedy and it's his, and his name is Jesus Christ. Glory to the Lamb of God, I love that. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bible study adventure right here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to dive in God's rich word with me. We're going to have another great time tonight, and I'm excited that you are here. If this is your very first time with us, and uh, if you find value in this video, give us a thumbs up. You can leave a comment if you like and subscribe if you want to see more messages just like this. We're going to have a great, great time. Those of you that have been with us for a while, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. Want to welcome also our television audience, our Roku audience, podcast audience, and of course, our YouTube audience. And wherever you're listening or watching from all around the world, welcome, welcome, welcome in Jesus' mighty name. Well, as you know, we've been in a series entitled God Protect Us, and this is part number eight, and uh, we're still going strong. So we're going to start there tonight and just continue and go wonderful places. All right, we're in, we're talking about Psalm 91 and Psalm 91 has uh, 16 glorious verses. And the last time we were together, we stopped on verse number eight. We really went down to verse 12, I think. Uh, we skipped verse eight to go back to it because it's so rich. So we're going to do that today. Remember, if you have not heard parts one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven. You can do that. It's available on our website at kingdomrock.org. There you can find today's message as well as the entire series and so much more, including more wonderful podcast messages. Check it out today. All right, let's go ahead and get started in tonight's lesson. And we're going back, of course, Psalm 91. I'm going to read verses 1 uh, through 16 and then we're going to go back and talk about verse 8 and try to go further today, okay? All right. So here we go. And here's our handy-dandy screen. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, 
There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. All right, well, let's get into it. We're going to go back up to verse number eight. We stopped here on last time and we said that verse eight is so powerful. It's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus comes to bring. So we want to talk about that tonight and uh, just so much more. So let's look at verse number eight one more time. And it says, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. So first of all, let's do some definition here. The word behold here means to regard, to pay attention to. It means to consider. Only with your eyes shall you consider. Consider what? Consider the reward of the wicked. What's going on here? We're paying attention to. We're considering this. He said, only with your eyes shall you behold and see. See means to, to look at, to watch, to learn about, to discern. Now, if you notice between the two of those, to behold, meaning to consider, that is, your, it's, it's a long gaze. To see may only be just a few moments. So he said, only with your eyes. In some cases, you're going to take a long gaze. Wow. And other times you're going to just look for a moment and look away. You're going to learn about something for a moment and look away. What are we observing? What are we looking at? The reward of the wicked, God's judgment, God's justice. We're learning about it. There are some things in now. Remember the word look or rather the word see means to learn about. So there's Something that we're going to have to learn about that we've never seen before until this point. You'll only be able to see it, to understand it, to comprehend it at that moment. Only with your eyes shall you see or finally see the justice or the judgment of God in front of you. You've not seen it before. And I would venture to say we've never seen this type of judgment on a planetary level uh, ever before. The human race has not, has not seen it. No generation has seen this. This talks about a final reward, a final judgment. We haven't seen that before at all. So today, uh, I mean, really kind of stick with me and we could get a little bit hairy, but believe me, it's going to be very good at the end. So stick around with us. Okay. So the Lord said, only with your eyes shall you behold and see, wow, look at that, the reward of the wicked. Now, the word reward means requital, requital. And that means compensation or retribution. Retribution meaning punishment inflicted 
Now, this is very important. Punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance for a wrong or criminal act. Let me read that again. Punishment inflicted upon someone for a wrong or criminal act. So as we talk about reward, we're talking about a time of vengeance or punishment or uh, retribution uh, given for someone that has done something wrong, something evil, something very bad. All right, so we're going to see this. Now, if we think about the word reward here as well, you'll see it in the context of God, the holy judge, the righteous judge, now deciding what reward is, now deciding what payment is for a wrong done. That's what a judge does. Now, you and I are not the judge. So the Father did not call us to condemn one another, but to share Christ. Somebody said, uh, well, I don't judge anybody. I'm just a fruit inspector. I'm just a fruit inspector. Well, in some cases, that may be merited. If you're going to uh, go through some type of business deal with someone or some type of relationship with someone, you better discern their character. Is the character of Christ there or something else there? You better be in the position of discerning. But as far as judgment, as far as you telling someone you're going to hell or, or you're going to be this and you're going to be that, that's not ours to say. All we can tell them is what Christ Jesus did and give them the opportunity to receive the same grace that you have. But the words of condemnation should not be in our mouth because we do not know the final story. We don't know their final end. Somebody, I'm sure, up until the time of crucifixion, saw that thief that had done something terrible Remember, those were notorious thieves that hung beside of Christ upon the cross. Somebody said, you're no good something. You did this to my family. You did this to me. You deserve to be on the cross. You're going to go right down into the lower parts of the earth and receive your punishment. God's going to judge you. Somebody said that to him until Jesus said, today you be with me in paradise. So you don't know the final story of people. So why try to put a period on their lives? <laughs> why try to do it? Only God knows their end. But it's up to you and I to share the good news of Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is a marvelous thing. But there will be a time, I would say an end time payment for services rendered. All right. This is talking about an end time payment for evil services rendered, but there'll be also a time when the Father will also compensate us, give us rewards for the good things that you have done. But here we're talking about the reward of the wicked. All right, so let's look at that. Now the word wicked means the guilty one. It means criminal, one guilty of crime. All right, one guilty of crime or one uh, that will be punished for the evil that has been done. So hang with me, okay? Now, once you see this as well, God is a God of order. Our Father is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos and confusion. He's not that. And he has set things in motion well before you and I got here. Let me give you a couple of verses here that talks about his judgment, that talks about his justice. 
And if you understand his judgment and justice, you will understand how sweet the grace of God really is. You'll understand how sweet the precious blood of Jesus really is. If you can understand and discern his judgment, then his forgiveness and mercy has a context. You got that? If you can understand God's wrath, then you'll also understand his love. If you can understand the severity of hell, then you'll also understand the glory of heaven. You see, you can't really have proper context without understanding the opposite side of this thing. You got me? Now, notice, notice this as well. In Romans 6, Romans 6, 23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. See the two sides? The wages of sin, death, but the gift of God, well, that's eternal life through Christ Jesus. So you have the two extremes, death and life. The wages or the repayment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Notice that. I want you to see that is so powerful. Notice this. Wages for sin. That is wages, meaning something you have earned, something you have worked at. And now you're about to be paid. Wages for sin, payment for sin. All right, payment for sin is death. The payment for sin is death. But, I love this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It doesn't say the wages of good works is eternal life. He said the gift of God. God wants to give you this free gift of eternal life, one that you did not earn, one that you did not merit. It's not because of your good works. Remember, salvation is not a payment. It is not a reward for a life lived well. It is a free gift that God gives to all mankind if you you only believe and trust in the Son of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh, this is thrilling. So he talks about, again, Psalm 91 verse 8 talks about the reward of the wicked. This time for payment for evil, continually evil being committed. Look at, let's look at another one. Let's look at Galatians 6 and 7. Now, again, our father is just. He is orderly. Everything that he has done is orderly. There must be payment. There must be, uh, there must be compensation for something that is done. There must be. There's always a cause and an, and an effect. Look at Galatians, the sixth chapter. One verse, Galatians 6, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, that's either in the bad or especially in the good. What you put in is what you're going to put out. That's that what you're going to get back, rather. What you put in is what you're going to get back, get back or receive back. Right. They say in the world and you know this, what goes around. Yeah, it comes around. What you sow is the same thing that you're going to reap. What you put out is what you're going to get back. It's a universal law that our father has set in motion that uh, that he set in motion. Now, here's the thing. All sin must be punished. Grab a hold of this. 
You must understand the severity of Father's judgment to have proper context to understand his great love and mercy. For someone to say, I don't want to talk about hell. I don't want to talk about the judgment of God. I don't, I don't want to talk about the reward of the wicked. Well, then if you don't understand how deep that is, you'll never understand the extreme price that Jesus paid for you upon the cross. You have to understand both. Because to understand the penalty of man is to also understand the gift that God gives. So we must see both sides to really understand what he did for you. Let me give you an example. Let's say there's a man at work and, and um, he is trying to work with one of his co-workers. And his co-workers, his co-worker couldn't really show up that day for work. Maybe the co-worker was, was ill. So the man told him, you know what, I'll take your shift for you. Don't worry about it. I'll take your shift. I'll do your work. Now, this gentleman has already worked a 12-hour shift, but he told his co-worker, I'll work this shift for you. And the co-worker said, great, thank you. I'm not feeling well, thank you. But what the co-worker didn't understand was that this man that just worked a 12-hour shift, for him to say, I'll take your shift for you, he will be missing time with his family. His little girl was having a, a birthday party at home. There was a special meal planned just for her. And everybody wanted to have daddy back at home for this event. And what the other co-worker, again, did not understand was that not only would this man lose time with his family uh, from his little girl's birthday party, but it also meant that this man um, also missed out on his little, on his son's uh, ball game. That was that day. It was the Little League Championship. He couldn't get there to see his son. He missed out on so much by saying, yes, I'll cover your shift. So why am I saying this? The man that thought, okay, well, I'm sick and you just taking my place. Well, that's a good thing. I appreciate you taking my shift so that I could uh, go home and recuperate. Now, that's a great thing. That's great. I'm sure he thought, oh, this guy's really nice. But if he understood the price that the co-worker had to pay to take his shift, he would have a deeper appreciation. Somebody got it. Did you get it? If you understand what, in fact, Jesus went through for you and why, you would have such a deeper appreciation for him. Such a deeper appreciation for what he has done for you. The price that God the Father paid for you and I. Isn't that something? So the Lord said here that the, that the um, wages of, of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And if you sow it, you're going to reap it. And so here it is something because God the Father is just and he is the justifier of all. He's the high judge. Uh, all sin, because that's, because that's true. Now listen, here's the other side of that. All sin must be punished. And because man sinned, that must mean that man must be punished. Sin is punished with destruction. Sin is punished with the wrath of God. Because God, the Father, is absolutely holy, absolutely righteous. And so this would almost put him, well, not almost, it puts him in a terrible position because he loves man. He loves this creation. But yet and still, man has sinned. So man deserves punishment. Man deserves the wrath of God. 
But God is love. How can he that is love punish those that he loves? How can he remain true and just and holy? How can he remain true, just and holy and deal with sin, destroy sin, but save man? That's the eternal question, isn't it? Someone said, well, why couldn't God just say, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the sin. Don't worry, but just come on home. He can't do that because he is just. If a judge were to sit on a bench and say, you know what? Don't worry about it. I know you did the crime, but just go on home. We won't worry about it. We won't think about it. That would be unjust because some party was offended. He did something to somebody. And if the judge sweeps it away under the table, just sweeps it by, that judge becomes criminal himself, negligent himself, and he becomes unjust. So God cannot be unjust. And so here's a picture before him. He has sin that must be punished. All sin must be punished. And it is deserving, it is deserving of the wrath of God. But he also has man that he loves dearly. He loves dearly, and man has partaken of sin, ergo, or ergo, man must be punished. Man must deserve the wrath of God. So what is Father going to do? Turn to your neighbor. If you're watching with somebody, tell him, God has a plan for that. Oh, my God. He has a plan for that. And he spoke about that in the garden uh, with Adam and Eve. He told, he told that old devil, he told him, he said, uh, look, the seed that's in the woman, well, it's going to bruise your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. Now, we know that the seed, that the woman does not carry the seed. It is a man that carries the seed. It talks about the virgin birth. So even then, the father was beginning to announce the devil didn't understand it. If he did, he would never crucify Christ. The enemy did not understand it, but God was proclaiming, he was declaring, I've got a remedy for the situation. Glory to God. So when did God's remedy come about? Well, let's look at this. I love this. Let's look at Isaiah, Isaiah 61. Oh, this is so good. Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 talks about the man Jesus. And the promise that God would bring through him, the salvation of mankind. Because remember, God knew that you would sin, that I would sin long before we got here. He knew Adam and Eve would sin long before Adam and Eve sinned. And God had a remedy because he loved you. <laughs> he loved you. Listen to what Isaiah says here. Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. This is the message that the Father spoke through Jesus. And you'll see this also in the New Testament. The Bible says here, the Spirit of the Lord, rather the Spirit, yes, Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Glory. Look at verse number two. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Look at that. Jesus would come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Year of the Lord. Year of the Lord. 
Acceptable means the acceptable year is the time of favor, the dispensation of favor. Acceptable meaning favor or favored. God's favor, God taking a liking to you, the time that he will look at you, he will look at man with sin on him and still say, you're now in my favor because of what Jesus is going to do. This is glorious. He said that Jesus would come to proclaim the year, the, the acceptable year. All right. He would pro- come, come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. So two times, there are two dispensations. One, the acceptable year of the Lord, the time of favor. Glory to God. That door is open where the father says, even as he said to the prodigal son, come on. Hey, my arms are open to you. Yes, I see what you did, but my arms are still open. But the prodigal son thought I must be punished because I've done wrong. Make me as one of your hired servants. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But because the father had a remedy, he had a way to deal with the sin and save man and his way is through the cross of Christ it's through Jesus hallelujah to the lamb that's why the prodigal son's father could open his arms wide and say come here God's got a remedy for you my friend I'm not sure where you've been or or what you've done or how bad your life has been You may think, oh, no, God can't want me because I've done so much. Let me tell you, the father has a remedy and it's his and his name is Jesus Christ. (laughs) Glory to the lamb of God. I love that. So there's a time, a year of of acceptable, the acceptable year. That is the year of favor. That's time. That's now. But there will be a time when that door is closed. And after that door is closed, there will be a day of judgment. Notice there's a year that is a long time of favor when God opens his arms and says, come, come and find me. Come and seek me while I may be found. But then there is a day of God's vengeance, a moment of time. Wow, isn't it awesome? I'm telling you. Now, listen to this. Let's go. Let me tell you a little bit more about God's plan of making the sinner right, of making the wicked right in his sight, because that's what the father does. He doesn't desire that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So as we look again at Psalm 91, verse 8, It says, only with your eyes shall you see and behold the reward of the wicked. We're going through this because tonight, because those terms or the phrase reward of the wicked means eternal punishment. Yes, it could be talking and I'm sure it's talking about some things that we've been talking about here in Psalm 91, disease and, and random shootings and night terrors and all the kind of bad things that, that will happen. But this more directly speaks about something that's happening eternally. Eternally. There will be a time of eternal justice when the wicked will receive their reward. 
Yes, portions of that can be found in this life. Somebody once said, you know what, I, I would find it terrible to live in hell and then, then, and then die and go to hell. You know, that is an awful thing. But at the same time, we can live in heaven, have heavenly dominions now. Remember, the Lord told us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the Lord wants us to have a heavenly existence right here and right now, and then go there and have one as well. Glory to God. I would rather live in heaven and then die and go to heaven than live in hell and then die and go to hell. <laughs> Glory to God. Both are possible. Both are possible. Hallelujah. But I pray that you choose the right one. Let's go on a little bit further. Let me show you how long you've been on God's mind. This is wonderful. Let's look at Revelation 13. Revelation 13, and let's look at uh, verse number eight, one verse here. This talks, of course, about the end times here and when the Antichrist is, uh, ha has arisen and the people on the earth are, are celebrating him and they, and they are worshiping him. It's a terrible time. But notice who's not worshiping the Antichrist, who's not worshiping the beast and the false image. Look at this. So Revelation 13, 8 says, and all, the, and all the people who belong, rather, let me start again. Revelation 13, verse 8. All right. And all the people who belong to this world worshiped the beast. They are the ones whose names are not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb, which was slaughtered before the world was made. King James says before, uh, before the lamb, rather the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And some translations from the foundation of the world. What does this mean? How was the lamb slaughtered? Jesus Christ is the lamb of God. John the Baptist said it as he came uh, to be baptized of John. John said, behold, the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And we can keep going with that a long time. Jesus is the lamb of God. The Bible says that Jesus was slaughtered or slain before the foundation of the world. So before the earth was created, before the moon, the stars, any of that was done, before the foundation of the world, the world, the word world here is cosmos, which means the orderly arrangement of things, the universe and everything that's in it. Before all of that happened, Jesus, the father and the son <laughs> had a talk. Listen. The Spirit of God was there. Of course, there was a, this great communion. The Father loved man, thought of man. Man existed inside of him. And the Father knew that if I create the planets, if I create these angels, if I create man and give him a home down there on planet Earth, he knew what the archangel Lucifer was going to do. He knew what would happen in the Garden of Eden, and he knew that man would fall. So he already had a plan before he started anything. Jesus, the Son of God, would have to die, would have to be slain, would have to be resurrected. God already knew it, and he decided to pay the price. 
So the Bible says that the lamb was slain, the lamb was slaughtered before, meaning that the decision was already made. The die has already been cast. God said, man is worth it. Man is worth it. Hallelujah. The decision was already done. Isn't that something? So you've been on God's mind for quite a while now, quite a while. And because you were on his mind, you had your existence in God. You existed in him, in the mind of God. You existed in him. So that actually means you are a whole lot older than you, than you actually are because your existence was in him. And he's been thinking about you for quite a while. This is the plan of God that's being revealed. Let's look at John 3, 16. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? For God so loved the world. What does that mean? Once again, all sin must be punished. Man has sinned. So therefore, man must be punished. But God loves man. How can God punish the sin, judge the sin, but save man? The answer for that, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. All sin must be punished. And God is just. How is God just to let man go? How is God just to make the most vile sinner? How is he just to make the, the most vile, wicked person? How is he just to make that person a saint to consider him holy and acceptable. Jesus is the answer. How was that? Because Jesus was punished for us. Oh, I love it. Let's look at Isaiah 53. Come on, you can run, you can run, you can run. Isaiah 53 says this, verse number five. Listen to this. It says, talking about Jesus, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now listen to this. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Listen, it says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The word chastisement means punishment. In other words, Jesus was punished for us. Going back to Psalm 91 verse 8, remember the Bible says that there is a reward of the wicked. That reward talks about punishments for a punishment for a wrong committed. Well, Jesus was punished for us. So listen, the father then is just, isn't he? Someone had to pay the price for the sin. The father loved you and he loved me and he knew that there was no other way. No other way for us to be found righteous in his sight, for us to be found acceptable in his sight, except the sin be punished. Well, he did punish the sin. He punished the sin in Christ. Think about that cross. Think about the cross of Christ. Jesus hung upon that cross to pay for our sins. He was punished for you. He was punished for me. And because he was punished, we now have peace. The punishment of our peace was upon him. What does that mean? We now have peace with God. We now have wholeness with God. Now there's no more warring, no more hostility between you and God the Father. No more wrath between you 
and God the Father because of what Jesus has done in his own body upon the tree. He took your punishment. He took your place, meaning that God is just. If the devil wanted to poke his face up and uh, his finger in God's face and say, hey, you're not just. Look what she did. Look what he did. Aren't you going to punish them? Remember, Jesus stood in the way and said, Father, I'll take their place. And he did this before the foundation of the world. And it was just consummated or it was manifested upon the cross. My God, Jesus was punished so that you could have peace with God. Oh, isn't that awesome? Let's go over just a few more and then we can have another part of part eight, but we won't. But I'm excited about this. Are you excited about this? Now, listen, God has been thinking about you for quite a while. He's been setting things in motion for you for quite a while. Let's look at Matthew Matthew uh, 25, verse 34. Matthew 25, 34. Listen to this. This is wonderful. The Bible says here in Matthew 25, 34, it says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So not only did Jesus agree to follow the Father's will and give his life for you and I. But after that meeting or somewhere around that meeting, the Father prepared a kingdom for us, a dominion, a territory, authority for us because we're going to reign with him forever. Praise God. He said, I've already created a kingdom for you. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? All this stuff that's created is for you. <laughs> the Bible says it's, it's for the Lord's pleasure. And what's the Lord's pleasure? Well, it's his pleasure that you and I be saved. And it's his pleasure that you and I will rule and reign with him. Glory to God in the highest. Isn't that awesome? And then Jesus takes it even further. He says, hey, I've got some plans for you. Let's look at this. Let's look at, let's look at uh, uh, John 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is so awesome. And whew, look at this. John, John 14, verse 1, 2, and 3. God's got plans for you. I'm telling you, this is, this is awesome. It says, the Lord says here, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the Lord Jesus said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. A place specifically for you, made just for you. Not a cookie cutter place where one size fits all. No, no, no. When we go to our eternal reward, there's a place specifically for you. 
Some scholars say it's filled with all the things that you like. Oh, glory to God. He's making it just for you. So there's a place just for you and a kingdom that you'll inherit. Hallelujah. That's for you. The father's done this for you. How much does he love you? My God, how much does he love you? Now, let's go back to the question, and we're going to close out tonight. The Bible says here again in, in Psalm 91, verse 8, he said, Only with your eyes, believer, born again believer, he said, Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Well, because you're in Christ Jesus, you've never seen this thing before. Now we're seeing a picture of God's wrath being poured out. And as we see the picture of God's wrath being poured out upon the generations, upon those that hate God, upon those that are enemies of good, enemies of love, enemies of righteous, we see that being poured out. We behold and see the reward of the wicked. We'll see it. And seeing that, of course, grieves us. And at the same time, it gives us great joy and assurance because we know that we have escaped that through what the Father's done for us with the blood of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says at the very end that when we enter into that place that he'll wipe the tears from our eyes as we go there. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain for the former things are, are passed away. You know, I understand more and more why the Father would have to wipe every tear from our eyes because we'll, we'll look around in the heavenly place and wonder why isn't so-and-so here or, or so-and-so should have been here. Why aren't they here? And we remember that because remember, we'll, we'll retain our memories and we'll know who's there and who's not. And then the Father would have to give us a supernatural sense of comfort. Oh, we couldn't enjoy his, we couldn't enjoy his presence throughout eternity. We couldn't enjoy it. Remember, the Father's just. He gave all and has done all that we come home with him because he loves you. He's willing not to look over sin. He doesn't look over sin. He's already paid for the sin in the body of Jesus. Jesus was already, he has already paid the price for your sin. So because Jesus has done that, that makes you innocent in the sight of God. Here's something that you can remember. As you look upon the cross, remember this, that the innocent died for the guilty so that the guilty could become innocent. You got that? As you look upon the cross, remember, the innocent, Jesus, died for the guilty, us, so that the guilty could be seen as innocent. Now, who are the wicked? The Bible's talking about here in, in verse number eight. Well, in actuality, it's everybody. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says that all have gone astray from God. We all have gone our own way. But the Father has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. In other words, Jesus paid the price for our sins. It is only because of his grace, it's only because of his shed blood 
that we are called righteous, that we are called saints in the sight of God, that we are called holy and acceptable. And that's because of Jesus. And if it weren't for Jesus, then we'd all go the same way. Then we'd be accounted with the wicked receiving the wrath of God. But that was not God's plan for you and I. I'm telling you, it's all about Jesus. He has paid the price for you. Amen? Amen. Well, I pray tonight that you have received the word tonight. I've had a wonderful time, and before we go, we're going to have to pray because maybe you, maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you've heard about Jesus but not really understood what it was all about. Well, I pray tonight that you have a better picture and understanding about who Jesus is and what he came to do. He, was, he came to be your substitute. He took the place for you. He took your place. And even as we talk about the cross of Christ and on the day that he was cru crucified, there were three crosses that day for three criminals. Jesus wasn't supposed to be there in, in the eyes of man because three criminals were supposed to be there hanging on that cross. And the one that, uh, there was one criminal called Barabbas. And the people decided, hey, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Well, the word Barabbas means son of the father. In other words, the sons of the father got to go free. The sons of the father, us, the creations of the father, the offspring of the father got to go free. Why do we go free? Why did Barabbas go free? Because Jesus took his place. Barabbas was meant to hang there on the cross, but that day he didn't because Jesus took his place. He died in his place. He took the wrath and the punishment for him so that Barabbas could go free. We are accepted in the sight of God today because of what Jesus has done alone. That's why salvation is a gift. It is a gift because Jesus paid the price and Father freely gives this gift to you because he loves you out of his great love. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, or maybe you want to rededicate your life to him, now is a good time to do that. So just join me in this simple prayer. It doesn't have to be this prayer. There's no magical prayer or formula. You just have to believe. But if you join me now and you be sincere, I believe the Father will hear you and that he will answer. Let's pray together and just say, Father, I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in Jesus. I believe that his blood has washed away all of my sins and that he was punished so that I could have peace. I turn now from my wicked ways and I turn unto you and I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to make me yours. And I will serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in another tongue, in a new language, that I may talk like you and live like you and be like you. I thank you, Father, that because of Jesus, I am now acceptable in your sight, holy and righteous. And I am as sure for heaven 
as if I was already there. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to the Lamb of God. Well, welcome to the family of God. It's an honor to know you, and I'm sure I'll be seeing you one day in that heavenly place. If today you made that decision for the Lord Jesus, then go to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the contact button and let us know today you made the decision to follow Christ. You've given your heart to him. Now I would love to be praying with you and I will count it an honor. All right. Well, until next time, remember Jesus loves you. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. And don't forget, yes, to go by and stop at our website and check out the other videos that are there. We know they're going to bless you and encourage you. All right. We'll see you on this Sunday morning in the series entitled The God Life. I know it will encourage you richly. All right. Closing number two. I'll see you next time. We love you. All right. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.